0: And welcome to Inside IndyRef, the new series of podcasts with key players on both sides of the independence referendum debate, which aims to cut through the campaign waffle and find out what they're really thinking about the big issues. It's brought to you by Message Matters and hosted by me, Peter Duncan.
1: And me, Andy McKeever, and we're going to be in coffee shops and cafes throughout Scotland with a laptop, a microphone, a 15-minute egg timer and a key referendum campaigner. You'll find us on Twitter at InsideIndyRef and of course on messagematters.co.uk. So let's go to this week's podcast. Hello everybody, we are back with the 12th in our podcast series and we're now just a week to go until the referendum. Uh, We're here with Ben Thompson today, who's Chairman of Reform Scotland and Chairman of Devo Plus. Uh, And the alert amongst you will realise that we have to of course declare that Message Matters has Reform Scotland and Devo Plus as a client. And we've been working with Ben and Jeff and Ali at Reform on a lot of issues to do with the referendum and Devo Plus uh, for a couple of years now. However, that will not stop us seeking the truth, of course, in this podcast.
0: This is the ultimate truth, Commission.
1: Ben, welcome. Hi. Um, Devo Plus. What, I mean, you, uh, you, and, you and us and others were involved in, obviously, launching Devo Plus a couple of years ago. Um, you know, If you look back and try and be as impartial as possible, what, what difference do you think Devo Plus has made to the debate, to the campaign, and to where we are on powers for the Scottish Parliament?
2: Well, I think Devo Plus has made a huge difference on both sides, which is perhaps an odd thing to say. Um, for a start, it's a huge frustration that we didn't manage to get the third uh, option on the referendum, because actually, by and large, the people in the middle of uh, the referendum want to remain part of the union for things like defence and foreign affairs, um, and want to be part of a, um, a monetary union that works but they want to see Scotland having much greater control about how they run welfare and how they raise their own taxes and um, and to basically make Holyrood responsible. So it was a real disappointment that we had worked hard when we set up Devo Plus to convince the First Minister to have a third option and he was prepared to go with it. and. Very disappointing that Westminster turned that particular option down.
1: Do you think they would, um, if you, if you know, if you could, if
2: they could turn the clock back now? Do you think they would accept your arguments and go for a third option? Um, well, it's very easy to look at things in hindsight. Um, probably would when they're faced today with the polls that show that they might lose it. Um, but in, at that stage, they were so confident that only thirty percent of people wanted independence that um, they thought they would rub uh alex Salmond's nose in the defeat that they would then be able to have um a carte blanche after the referendum to do whatever they wanted in terms of new powers without being forced into doing something after the um after the that third option was taken off the table people felt well is devo plus relevant is there going to be anything that exists in the middle and what i think Devo Plus has shown, and the work that Reform Scotland has done over the last five years, is it's brought both parties into the middle. Um, Let me explain. First of all, the SNP, which started off as very much a sort of Republican, um, let's keep Scotland out of everything, has recognised that you need unions because we have such a close relationship with the rest of the UK. So they've talked about having a, a union of the crowns and maintaining that, they've talked about a monetary union um uh uh, relationships on border controls they've talked about a social union so um they understand that that middle ground is where people feel comfortable with the unionists have sort of started to realize it but it's against their sort of natural inclination and all three unionist parties then came up with the idea of how we can set up commissions to investigate the middle ground The Liberal Democrats have embraced it, and uh, the Ming Campbell report um, certainly gives federalism uh, a big tick. Um, The Conservatives, um, uh, it's really against the grain to some extent um, for further devolution, but you have to give it to Conservatives that they came out with something in the end that was really quite bold. All of income tax and looking at assigning taxes like VAT. And the real disappointment has been Labour, who, you know, had traditionally been um, the party of devolution and seen it as being a process. Labour let us all down because infighting at the end of their commission seems to have produced a result which delivered very little, particularly on fiscal powers. And because Labour is seen as being the opposition to some extent of the SNP in Scotland... Um, that really undermined the unionists moving and capturing that middle ground.
0: How, how, how corrosive do you think that disappointment, disappointing final report from from Labour will
2: will in the end um, prove to be? I think that could be the deciding factor. I think many people um, were were switched off by. Labour's approach to we'll win this and then we'll decide what happens here they wanted to have clarity of what a no event meant no event meant and the fact that Labour really was offering so little extra and the fact that the three parties took so long to come together to issue a joint statement that they were going to do something um, but not declare what has turned a lot of people to saying well we'll not get any change. The whole thing just
0: it just seems all very reactive on the unionist sides, you know, all through this, it's been um, it's been reacting to events, and even you could say, you know, this week, you know, there's clearly been uh, movement and developments reacting to a single poll, and it just all seems very behind the curve.
2: Well, I think that's partly what people have come to expect in politicians is that there is little leadership where people come up with bold proposals and back them and sell them to the. Public. It tends to be much more now think tanks such as ourselves and the media who propose new policies and then the parties sort of see which way the wind gl- blows and they are then reactive towards them. Um, and, um, and so I think there is a lack of leadership, particularly at, uh, at Westminster and particularly on this issue that there hasn't been a proactive proposal put forward by the three unionist parties.
1: Is there a concern for you, as somebody who you know wants Scotland to have more power, is, is that reactive behaviour a concern in that all Westminster ever seem prepared to do is to just do enough to keep everybody happy? There's no blue sky thinking, there's no inspiration comes from there, they just do what they have to do to keep everybody in line. Is that a concern?
2: Yes, but if it gets to the right result, um, uh, then uh, it doesn't, does it matter how we've got there? And I think the right result would, for now, the Prime Minister, who is the Prime Minister of the whole of the United Kingdom, to stand up and show some leadership and to say uh, what, we, um, what we're going to give you and can give you, because the Scotland Act that was signed two years ago, allows them to transfer considerable powers already. What we will guarantee to give you after a no vote is a package, a fiscal package, that allows Scotland to raise at least the majority of what it spends.
1: Well, we shall see if the Chancellor does that this week.
0: I think there's a real, real um, this strikes me, as we'll probably talk about this in our analysis bit at the end, Andy, but it, it just strikes me that expectations have been set for this further announcement from Westminster. And it's going to be, fast, it's probably going to be the, the abiding story of the last week. It's going to be whether those expectations are met or not by the Prime Minister and the Chancellor.
2: Yes, and if you want to make a difference at this stage, you have to meet, if not exceed, expectation. So if they come out with something woolly, it it'll have no impact at all. They need to come out with something that really is... Um, clear and definitive about what is going to happen after a no vote, and the Prime Minister and the Chancellor have the power today without even saying they 're going to put it into a manifesto they have the powers in the uh, uh, two thousand and twelve Scotland Act to guarantee further powers after a no vote
1: i mean if you uh, the um... They, if the yes camp were listening to this they would be saying and perhaps they will we'll be listening to their listening to the podcast they'd be saying well that's all very well but you're depending on other people to do it for you and they would say that you can't rely on Westminster they'd, they'd look back to 1979 they'd say that uh, it may not be Cameron that's in charge anyway I mean you know they've got a point haven't they if, if Miliband wins the election we know that labor are well behind the others and how much devolution they want if Miliband wins the election and then Cameron's replaced by, say, Boris Johnson, who has been slightly inconsistent on the issue, but most recently said he didn't want any more powers for Scotland. You know, they've got a point, haven't they? There's no guarantee this is going to happen.
2: Well, there's no guarantee if, if um, they leave it to the manifestos, but that's what I keep coming back to in the Scotland Act. The Scotland Act gives the Prime Minister today the power to transfer any devolved tax he wants to um uh the day after the referendum he doesn't have to wait until the election and given that there has been such a strong mandate by the scottish people that a desire for more change i feel that he has every right to then say here are more powers the frustrating thing is they could have done it with all three unionist parties some months ago Mm -hmm. come together with a joint statement and actually said this is what we'll do in a consultative way but this is the minimum that we will give. By failing to do that, by Labour's very weak proposal on uh, on further powers really now means that the Prime Minister has to do something a little bit more and that is invoking the Scotland Act to say not that I will put this in my manifesto or I will try and get Labour to put it in their manifesto but actually saying the week after the referendum we will put in place before the next Westminster elections in 2015, we will put forward specific proposals that will deliver considerable more tax to Scotland. Is, isn't
0: there a, isn't there a fundamental uh, truth that if you stand back from from the the, the landscape and consider you know reform Scotland's original position, which was I think set out in the Devolution Plus uh, paper, actually that de- that that quite federalist inclined mm. position. Is actually to to a, to if you stand back from it, closer to that which might be delivered by independence, than closer to where we might start from um, after a, another deal in powers.
2: And I agree with that. That um, and, and that is partly why I've said consistently along where my vote will go is the party that gets closest. But what I said. Sur- Have you made your mind up yet? I haven't made my mind up. I'm waiting to see what the prime minister does over the next two weeks because I believe what's best for Scotland is a Scotland that does take responsibility for its own finance, that does work out welfare and social programmes that fit a Scotland mm-hmm. going forward, that does have the assurance that the Scottish Parliament is set permanently. So those are the things that are worth battling for. But I also think that given that 70% of our trade is with the rest of the United Kingdom, given that you know our immigration policies need to be to some extent harmonised, um, given that defence and foreign affairs are better done in a, um, in a in a with a larger environment, given Scotland's ability to influence things on a UK basis, and a typical example of that was it was Scottish MPs that prevented the rest of the UK from going to war with Syria, and because the UK didn't go to war with Syria, that stopped. The U.S. from sending in its its uh, its mm. aeroplanes, so we have a huge influence and role to play that I think is good within the United Kingdom, and I think all sides recognise that, and um, and therefore, I still believe that it is worth pushing hard for the middle option, and if the Prime Minister um, wanted to, he could still deliver it. If if they're going to get to that point this week
1: where they go above 50%, it's likely they're going to have to look at either oil revenues, which is not doesn't seem to have been discussed much, but perhaps more likely look at corporation tax. Um, do you think it's inevitable that corporation tax will have to be included in the mix if it's going to get to that sort of level? And would that not cause a major problem with the Labour Party?
2: Well, I think the Labour Party have rather... Um, uh, um, shot their bolt and, and, and fail to hit the mark. So I don't think the Prime Minister should rely now on the Labour Party. He is the Prime Minister. He can decide what happens. In terms of what taxes we need, I mean, obviously all of income tax starts to get us close to the majority of what Scotland spends being raised in Scotland. Um, the Liberal Democrats have suggested corporation tax, capital gains tax, um, stamp duty and various others. Um, The Conservatives have suggested assigning things like VAT. Um, If you put all of that together, we're up to about 75% of what Scotland spends would be raised um, uh, by Scotland, including some extra costs which come in through welfare. So um, there's plenty of scope for the Prime Minister to add a few extra things onto all of income tax to get to at least the majority of what, uh, what we spend.
1: In, in your view, I mean, if, let's forget about the rest of the UK because there are arguments there, but in your view, is that the end point for Scotland? Is that an event rather than a process?
2: Well, I think you're always in a process. You're always on a journey. The question is journey to where? Um, I'm not sure it's a journey to independence. I'm not sure that this idea of um, nationhood... Um, um, will be one that our children and our grandchildren will see in the way that we do. What I hope it will be is a journey towards um, greater local control and that the powers don't just stop at Holyrood, but we see local government and community councils really more engaged. And, And as part of that, I'd like to see tax powers returned and enhanced at a local government level.
0: Well, there you are. We're on a journey, which, um, given the pools at the weekend, the rest of the UK seems to have um, probably woken up to. Um, ben, our 15 minutes is up. The sand time there is, is um, slipping through its last few grains as we speak. Really grateful for you popping in. Thank you very much for your time. Um, hang on, guys. We'll be back a few minutes with some analysis. Thanks very much. Thanks, thanks. So, Ben has departed. Um, Interesting chat. I thought particularly, well I was struck by one thing and that is, well several things actually. The first of them being, for someone who is the, who has clearly spent the last few years looking for a unionist solution, then um, it's quite striking that he's not decided how he's going to vote yet. Yeah,
1: and uh, you know, and, and we know that's uh, Ben's view from all the the work we've done with him over the last couple of years. But um, I, you know, the fact that he still holds that view this late, it is an indictment on the Unionist yeah, well, this, the this, Unionist parties because just they, you know they can't even convince Ben Thompson yet is, to vote is, no.
0: And this is someone who has been looking for a Unionist ah, solution, absolutely, yeah. you know, who who actually wants the Union to work. Wants a more sustainable basis for it to work, and it's um, it's quite an indictment that he's not yet made that mind up. Yeah, and uh,
1: you know, but fundamentally, one of the biggest problems that the unions have is that they react to people like Ben, they react to Devo Plus, they react to a bad opinion poll, they don't actually outline any vision in the first place.
0: And reaction has been left, right, and centre ever since polls at the weekend. Um, you know, clearly, the biggest developments as we well last uh, since I last spoke is that uh, YouGov poll showing yes ahead I mean we've always said and we've reflected on the podcast that at some point yes we're going to have a surge in the last wee while I'm quite struck that it's a YouGov okay. poll because traditionally that's been one that's been best for no um, you know it's, it's getting very very close and you know
1: people are on the 19th of September a lot of people are going to look back and regret uh, a lot of things interesting that we talked again about the third option on the ballot paper there and I think you know if if the unionists... Gosh, that seems like a long It time seems like a long time ago that was decided. You know, If if no does lose, if yes, win the referendum, they'll, they'll look back and wish they had taken people's advice at the time and gone with the middle option that everybody wanted in the first place. Because if they had gone with a Devo Plus versus independence, you know they wouldn't have got more than 25% crossing the yes box. Yeah. You know, it would have been, we wouldn't even have been having these uh, discussions that we're having now. And I think a lot of people in the yes campaign would agree with that. They accept privately that is the case.
0: However, that's all hypothetical. And, is. um And if I have ifs and buts for whys and wherefores, as they say, we'll never know. But in, in, in exactly a week, we will know. We will know. See you. Bye bye.